Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we are so much in need of this day of rest that we can come aside from the many things that try to grab our attention and confuse us and misdirect us. We can come to the light of your word to see things from an eternal perspective, to see what is enduring and lasting and true rather than flashy and new. Father, we just pray that your spirit could be free to work. Even through this frail and and broken vessel in the hearts of all that are hearing your living word and that you, your truth, would be proclaimed in sincerity and, and that your spirit would be able to apply it in our hearts and help us to grow and change and to glorify you through it. Lord, you know the many needs, Father, that we have in our congregation, Lord, and we're thankful that we can bring them before your throne. And we just want to take this moment right now to thank you as we see answered prayers, answered prayers even sitting here this morning with us, those that you have faithfully brought through many trials, Lord, and we look back and we see your hand. Even as for those who are continuing in trials, they also see your faithful presence and your encouragement, and we trust in you and rest in that promise and assurance. And pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been mentioning camp a little bit, um, and we're looking forward to that. We just, I thought maybe we can look together at the passage that uh, camp is going to be taken from. It's found in, uh, the, the theme is found in the 37th Psalm, Psalm 37. So uh, some of you may be hearing this a fair bit over the next few weeks. But the word of God never is exhausted. It's never too much. Uh, we always learn every time we look into it. In fact, uh, I was just speaking with uh, Brother Greg Wilkinson this morning, and uh, he was, I remember Brother Greg uh, taking, there was a brother who came, a ministering brother from Kitchener, and he, he put out a challenge to the church, and he said, you know, read 1 Corinthians 13 every day for a year. And Brother Greg did that, and, uh, and he said it really changed his life, and he still, you know, you can ask him, he'll give you his, his testimony of what that did for him. So we're going to read this the, the first time, but it won't be, it'll, the, it, the fact that we'll be reading over and over, we will learn every time. Psalm 37 reads as follows. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit 
thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be, yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked for the arms of the wicked shall be broken but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. In the days of famine they shall be satisfied, but the wicked shall perish. The enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of the in shall inherit the earth. They that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree, yet he passeth away. And lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. The Lord bless the reading of his word.
The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all that we see and we do not see, how great are thy works. And they are way past finding out. There are so many mysteries that we do not understand. But what we see, we know, can only be made and created by a holy and righteous and all-knowing God, all-powerful, omnipresent. We come before thee on bended knee. Who can we go to when thou hast the words of eternal life? Lord, we see this world is full of confusion, it's full of chaos, corruption. It's full of greed, violence. Oh Lord, probably much greater than in the days of Noah, where the imaginations of men were continually evil. And when you said it is enough and you will destroy the world, And you saved only a remnant, eight souls in the ark. O oh, Father in heaven, man has not learned their lesson because sin is ingrained in man. We are all sinful creatures. From Adam to Moses, sin did reign. And we know that the only solution to this sin is the Lord Jesus Christ, the second Adam, and the last Adam. And we pray, Lord, that all that are here this morning may re realize that and recognize that, that in Jesus Christ is the redemption of our souls, is the forgiveness of sins, is the victory over the power of sin, is the Victory over the penalty of sin. And Lord, one day we will be absent from the presence of sin in your kingdom, in your glory. We will reign with the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, forever and ever. Father in heaven, we pray that we will come before you this morning trembling at your word, as your word says. For this man will you accept, he that trembleth at your word. He that is of a contrite heart, a broken and a contrite spirit, you will not reject. And so, Father, help us to, to value the word while we have it. Because your word will go forth and it will not return unto you vain, in vain. But will, it will accomplish that for which it was sent out whether to harden the hearts of those that reject thee eternally or whether it's to soften the hearts of those that fear the Lord and seek your salvation. 
Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless each and every one here this morning. And we pray that you'd also bless those that are not here, but are in hearing distance through the media that we have today, and those that will listen to it afterwards. And Father, those that cannot listen to it anymore because of old age or lack of understanding or their faculties have left them. Father, we pray that you would be with each and every one of your children as we have read in this psalm. You will not forsake your own. You will give prosperity and the desires of our heart of those that seek you with all their hearts. Father in heaven, we pray for the sick, the shut-in, the isolated, the lonely. We pray that you would be with each and every one of us. We know we have many in our midst that have been suffering for a very, a very long time and in other churches as well that have been suffering with chronic illnesses. We pray for Sister Olga Ordog. We pray, O oh Lord, for Sister Sandy Soros in Kitchener. We pray, O oh Lord, for little Jacob Weinhart. We pray, O oh Lord, for Liv and Sue Bilak. We pray, O oh Lord, for Sister Olga Vukov in our congregation as well. We pray that you would heal all those that are suffering and in an illness and that above all through their trials that they are going through they would feel your presence know your nearness and feel comforted knowing that they are in the best hands in this universe father in heaven we pray for the government lord that they would be convicted that they have left the, the principles upon which it was intended that this nation in North America, in Canada, in the Western world, sought for religious freedoms for. And now they have forsaken the, they have gone and leaned onto their own understanding and they have listened to the doctrine and, and the voices of the wicked one and have gone corrupt. We pray, Lord, your word tells us to lift up holy hands that the government will also uh, recognize the error of their way and it is your desire in the same chapter that all men would be saved. Father, we pray that we should pray for all men that we would continue to do so especially our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones, that they would also come to the knowledge of the truth. For you have been patient and long-suffering, waiting for those that still can still come to the knowledge of the truth. Father in heaven, we pray that you would be with our dear brother as you would preach your word in clarity, in truth, in simplicity, and that our hearts would be open to it and that we would walk away changed with new resolutions, with new commitments, renewed commitments, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth and seek you only to find that rest that everyone is seeking for, but many in the wrong places. We now commend this service into your care and keeping, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
I don't know if you noticed, as uh, I was reading this psalm, it kind of almost felt like reading Proverbs, where there was sort of a, a rhythm to it. A rhythm where there's kind of like, a, you know, if you do the right thing, you get this blessing, but God will punish the wicked, and so on. There was a balance, and almost like a two-phrase rhythm. And it's not an accident, and, and some things are sort of disguised here because we're not reading the original. This is an acrostic. It's a Hebrew alphabet acrostic. What that means is that um, every uh, phrase begins with the, first with Aleph, then Beit, and so on through the Hebrew, 22 Hebrew letters. It's written by David, and we read in verse 25 that David is now an old man. And David felt that it was important to, to think through and write something that was memorable, something that was intended to be memorized, to deal with a very critical, in his mind, very important um, topic, something that was very relevant for him, and he felt he needed to pass on, and that's why he wrote it down in this sort of memorizable acrostic. We see this in other places like maybe you've seen in the Bible in like Psalm 119 where you're reading and it's like there you actually see the Aleph and then there's eight verses and Beit and there's eight verses. What you don't know is that each one of those eight verses in Aleph begin with the letter Aleph and the next eight verses begin with Beit and it was a way to, in that case, it's being written about the importance of the word of God, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way and so on. Uh, so it's, and the other very famous acrostic. Well, you don't know when it's acrostic, but you know the passage. When I say Proverbs 31, what do you think of? You think of the ideal Proverbs 31 virtuous woman, right? And again, that's written as an acrostic with each of those 22 letters beginning each section about the attributes of the ideal woman. <clears throat> so we see that, okay, the word of God you know, the ideal, what it means to be an ideal virtuous woman. And then we have this passage. What's so important? What's David talking about in this passage that at the end of his life he thinks is really important for you to memorize this? And he's made it easier for you to memorize. <clears throat> have you ever felt that you weren't being treated fairly? Things weren't fair. You felt upset and frustrated, maybe angry, maybe even as we go through the recent turmoil, we were praying for the government uh, in our prayer because there's things happening in our culture, in our country, in our countries that are clearly seem not right. And we, it's, it's natural to feel a sense of injustice. And when we feel injustice, a natural feeling that comes out is anger. Anger is a God-given response to injustice. Now, the first phrase here, the Aleph is saying is no, don't. Al, don't get heated up. That's what the word fret is in Hebrew. When you see 
evildoers, workers of iniquity, and it looks like it's all succeeding. You see that theme here, right? You see uh, the evil is like a green bay tree. It's just like sprouting up. It's strong. It looks like, you know, it's blocking out the sunlight and it's just unstoppable. But then, you know, just like David tells us in Psalm 73 about, you know, the long game, the eternal perspective. That's why we're here. We've come to this place, and it's important we come to this place because we can lose sight of the big picture, look sight of what's going to happen in the end. And he's saying these, these evil, powerful, unstoppable forces, you're not even going to be able to find them when you look for them. They're going to be gone. But instead, so that was the, the alf, Aleph, the bait, you know, is telling us about trusting in God instead. Trusting, not in a passive, I'm going to sit here, wait for heaven to fall in my lap. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. So, instead of me getting angry, instead of me scrolling through my phone, my news feed, and just having the natural response to all the horrible things, the decisions that are being made. And I, I had my, my uh, daughter-in-law over um, last weekend. It's, it was a blessing that we could, you know, have my son back home. You know, you, you miss them. And, you know, there's finally, you know, a wholeness when they're there. And I, I, but I appreciate that my, my daughter-in-law is, you know, having some positive influence. You know, he actually texts us sometimes, which is a good thing. But, uh, but what was positive there is, you know, I'm doing my usual, you know, you know, just like, you know, the news media, you know, grabs my attention by throwing something in my face, whether it's my, you know, email, oh, we need to support this organization because look at this horrible injustice. They just redefine debating. You know, if you say, if you debate the point of view that the judges don't agree with, you get dock points. And, you know, it was, it was kind of like, you know, again, you know, evil, it just doesn't make sense, right? And I bring this out because I know she, you know, she likes uh, those academic topics and says, I don't want to hear things that just make me angry. I don't want to be, be turned and stirred up into anger in response to these evil things. Not that we want to just stick our heads in the sand, but it seems like everybody, the whole news media, knows they, we, get, we pay more attention when we're angry. We can get more money out of our attention when we're angry. But that's what the psalm is saying. You're being manipulated. You're getting into the wrong frame of mind. It's not going to help you do good by being angry. Instead, you need to trust in the Lord and take the high road and do good instead of focused on evil and what they're accomplishing. And if you do that, he says, you, you will be dwell in the land. And now David, you know, his, his perspective, right? The Old Testament perspective, he didn't know what lay beyond Sheol. Jesus hadn't gone beyond the grave and come back. So Sheol is like a veil. It, the, the, we, we see hardly anything beyond that. But, you know, God demonstrated his character with the people of God through this land. 
Right? This is the promised land. God promised it to them. And if they did well, they were able to dwell in that land. And they were able to prosper. And if they did poorly, they were taken away and exiled in Babylon or Syria or wherever as a consequence. So being able to dwell in the land means dwelling in God's favor and receiving his blessing and having that legacy. You'll see throughout this passage, and you've heard it come out about four times, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth. Those that are righteous shall inherit the earth. You will be able to have a inheritance, a legacy, something that will continue. You will be in that promised land. Now for us, we recognize it's not about a piece of geography. It's not about a territory. The state of being in God's favor and being blessed by God happens right here. And yet there is also this legacy, this lasting blessing, as we kind of see this generational blessing that David talks about in verse 25, where he says that, uh, you know, that, you know, the, the seed won't be begging bread. The, the, they will also be generous and giving, right? The attitude towards the poor seems to be critical in, in, in uh, here, just as it is in Matthew 25, between the sheep and the goats, right? Um, so we see trusting the Lord and doing good. This, this, this passage also sticks in my mind. There's a few reasons, uh, but I remember Hudson Taylor, one of my spiritual heroes. This was one of his, his verses he kept applying. And for him, it meant going to China, leaving everything behind, uh, abandoning his own culture, dressing and acting like the Chinese in order to bring them the gospel, but trusting, not even being sent by an organization, not depending on any anything he could see for, to support him, but in faith, trusting that God would make people aware of his needs without him you know, writing newsletters and all that and, 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 and trying to get, stir up uh, support. And God did indeed bless him miraculously and supported him, and he was able to dwell even in the land uh, of that ministry and depend on God's provision, and he was fed. I mean, the, the, I remember the one verse, you know, he, they had no food, nothing. He and his travel companion were completely out, and they were starving, and, uh, and somewhere in the interior of China, and uh, Hudson Taylor just stops and starts thanking God for the food, and his, his companion says, well, but we don't have any food. He says, yes, but the Lord knows my needs, and he's sure to provide. And sure enough, around the bend, you know, comes a rice salesman and with already cooked boiled rice and ready to eat. And he was ready to eat it because he had already said his prayer, right? You know, but that's a, a small thing, but there were many. And as we see, we trust in God and he provides. And we don't get ourselves all worked up and distracted by what Satan is accomplishing. Instead, God wants us to focus on what the kingdom of God, what his priorities, what Jesus wants you to accomplish. He wants you to do good, to do what Jesus' hands and feet would do in your circumstances. Probably not going to China, but you have your mission field. And you need to be active in that mission field and not get distracted. 
by all the stuff that's going on. And, and that was a big thing in COVID, right? A lot of distraction. We were cut off from each other and we're all in these digital echo chambers getting worked up about things we couldn't do anything about instead of trusting the Lord and doing good. The next verse, delight thyself in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I remember I was talking about uh, Bible school and, and, uh, and, and I was sharing this six foot trailer with Oscar Caballero and this was his, his verse he loved to, to hold on to the promise in this verse. To delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now some people might like to take this out of context. You know, people who, who like to cherry pick verses as, see, I can get God to give me what I want, right? The desires of my heart, you know? And so I'm gonna, you know, I want, you know, a good job or whatever, and you know, God's gonna give it to me because I'm claiming this verse, right? Now, the verse is true. God's character is faithful. He will follow through, but we always need to be careful about the conditions before we claim the promise. And here is a condition here. Delight yourself in the Lord. And just like we, Brother Mark, was sharing about answered prayer, right? And you know, if we ask anything, according to his will, you know, he will give it to us, right? So there is a God who answers prayer, who can answer any prayer, taking mountains and casting them in the sea. But the, here, the condition isn't just, you know, make sure you're asking what is in line with God's will. The condition is to actually care about what God cares about, to care about it to the point where it brings you joy. The things that bring delight to God bring delight to you. You actually are made happy by the things that make God happy. Is that our focus? Sometimes, you know, we can get angry about the things that God makes God angry, but, you know, God, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He will take care of bringing that, and we can see that. The Lord's going to take care of that. It's not our responsibility, and if we get ourselves worked up, the wrath of men does not work the righteousness of God, James says. But in the other hand, if we can see the beautiful things, the good things, the, the doing good things, the things that bring joy to his heart when he sees us be Jesus' hands and feet to someone who cannot repay us, to show love, compassion, to share truth, to, to bring light into darkness, hope to the despairing. What was Jesus, right? He says, this day, the scriptures fulfilled in your ears, the gospel to the poor, the healing and the, to the, the, and the seeing to the blind, the healing to the cripple, and so on. How can you delight in God's will, and then as that is your delight, God will bring those godly desires to pass. This verse is kind of important to me too because it was preached at my engagement, or was it my wedding? I, I, maybe it was my wedding. Uh, probably both. I don't, I'm a, um, because it, it was also, you know, the principles that I wanted to follow 
in finding a wife. I desire to have a good and godly woman to share my life and ministry with. But rather than, you know, playing the game and sending the signals and, and so on, you know, God convicted me to instead seek to serve him, to delight myself in the Lord, to, to find ways to serve him. And lo and behold, other women, uh, godly women who also want to serve the Lord were there serving with me in the ICFG, and that's how God brought me to my wife. <clears throat> and so this principle is how you can find God's blessings by seeking and delighting yourself in the Lord. The next one is actually the theme verse, the theme verse of camp. Commit, something that's kind of probably missing in today's culture, commit. So this is, this is the G, this is the, what's well, actually the, the C of, of a Hebrew is uh, the Gimel, okay? So we've had Aleph, uh, don't get fret worked up, bait, trust, and C, the third major point of this 22-point psalm is commit, right? Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, here it is again, and he, God, shall bring it to pass. And he will bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Commit here, uh, galal, is, the, the picture is you're rolling something. In fact, if we read in other places of scripture, you're rolling a stone, you know, or, or, or some heavy object. But here, you, what you're rolling is your trust. You're putting your weights, you're rolling your cares, you're putting it all on the Lord. You're committing it. Because once the weight is there, there's no coming back, right? Uh, we were at the Jordan River, right? The Jordan River was disappointingly small. It was this little muddy stream that with maybe, who knows, 12 feet across was... You know, and there was like halfway through was the international border with Jordan, but it was small and it was shallowish, you know. But but in the springtime, there like the sides it was steep, like they actually had an amphitheater of sorts, uh, stairs and you know ramps for us tourists and so on, steps to go down the sides because in the springtime, as we read, when when Joshua came and he was going to enter the promised land, that, that fills up that entire river basin, and now you've got these steep sides that uh, are, are containing a, now a, a muddy torrent as opposed to a trickle. And do you remember what happened there? Remember that, that how God showed Joshua to cross this rather serious obstacle with his huge 600,000 or whatever uh, army, uh, he said the priest should carry the ark, the presence of God, and as soon as the souls of the priest would enter the water, it would part. Now, if it was like when we were there, that wouldn't seem like such a big deal. You step into this gentle stream and... You know, the way is clear. But 
Now imagine in the context of this raging torrent, and now you're stepping down the steep incline into this raging torrent with a burden, you're committed. When you step into that water, either it's gonna sweep you away or God's gonna have to come through. You're, you're trusting in God to come through. You're putting your life into that faith. And that is committing. That's rolling your weight onto God and saying, God, I'm trusting in you to come through. Uh, I think I've told the story before about, uh, you know, I've, I've, I got the book recommended by, by Linda um, uh, Hummel. Uh, she told me, you've got to read this book, Ruchko, uh, about this, um, you know, average American kind of naive person who thought he could go into the wilds of uh, Ecuador uh, and just, you know, convert this very brutal, um, uh, very violent tribe that had killed everyone that had come in contact with them to that point. No one had survived an encounter. And he naively went in there, was captured by them, um, and by God's grace wasn't killed outright, and was able to learn their language. And now he's got the challenge of trying to communicate the gospel to a people who are still in the Stone Age. And, you know, how is he going to bring the concepts of abstract things like faith into the people who, you know, are, are extremely primitive, are still the spear and, 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 and stone age. And so, you know, he's just inspired because they all live in these longhouses and they live in these hammocks strung up in this smoky longhouse. And he says, faith is like being suspended. You step into this hammock and you're trusting in the hammock to hold you. And that's what you have to do to God. You have to put your weight and trust and be suspended in him. And that's how he, he communicated that. And here again, this, this idea of commit, putting your weight, trusting in him, and he will make your way, your derech, possible. He will bring it to pass. He will bring your righteousness as the light. Your judgment is new nay. Again, this is, this is God's way that you're aligning with, not your way that you're asking God to align with. <clears throat> And finally, I think this is as far as we'll get today, rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Same word, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. So rest in the Lord. This is what we're going to, Lord willing, be talking about this Wednesday, and so perhaps we can give it some thought. And I'll leave some, some questions for you to, to ponder about what does it mean to rest in the Lord? Does it, was David um, a man of inaction or a man of action?
He was a man of action. And yet, and we actually think we may have seen the very cave, when, when Saul takes a nap in the very cave where Dave is hiding from him, from his unjust pursuit in the wilderness of Judea, he doesn't take action. His men are saying, hey, obviously this is from God. You, you, you know, this, the, what are the chances, right? He's right here at your feet. God wants you to take action. And David said, no, I'm not going to lift up my hand against the Lord's anointed. But David was a man of action. He was the one who was brave enough to, you know, don't you hear this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming God? Nobody's going to trust in God to go confront this evil. He took it as a, whatever, 17-year-old and five little stones he took. We all sing the songs. But yet, when it came to his own injustice, rather than choosing to get angry, rather than choosing to get even when they had the opportunity, rather than he, he rather trusted in God to deal with, these, uh, with the evil of Saul, and he rested in knowing that God is the one who's going to bring justice. God is the one who's going to restore. We see a lot of people in the streets today trying to bring justice, social justice warriors. They are certainly fighting, but uh, we're, we're, we're seeing just tearing apart and destruction rather than coming together. And what are we supposed to be? Are we supposed to get in the fight? Or are we supposed to get in the fight? How does God want you to fight? How does God want, what, what? And here's the question we wanna maybe think about and come prepared to discuss on Wednesday. What does God want you to stop doing? What does God want you to stop doing? That was the very first aleph is stop, don't. And if you want to know what the word rest means, it means to stop, means cease, means be quiet. Be and just, just be in awe. Stop you and your spouting off and, and your attempt to, to say and do and manipulate and just stop. What does God want us to stop? Today's day of rest. God instituted this very first week of creation. What does he want us to stop doing today? To leave room for better things. What does God want you to do instead of the things he wants you to stop doing? Because it's not about passivity and inactivity. It's about stopping being manipulated into a hectic, hurried, 
self-destructive frenzy that our culture is swept up in and to rest in God's presence, to trust in the Lord and do good, trusting Him with the control of the things you cannot control. I have a friend who's in the hospital because he won't do that. Because he is not trusting. Instead, he's full of anxiety. What does God want you to stop doing? And what does he want you to start doing instead? And we each ponder that with the Spirit's inspiration. Brother, please choose a concluding hymn. It was expounding on what we need to do, and that is stop. The um, Psalm 46 came along in my mind a very well-known verse it's all about the psalmist crying out knowing that god is his refuge and strength a very present help in trouble though he goes through the waters uh, thereof roar and a trouble though the mountains shake with all the swelling thereof he says there is a river whereof shall make glad the city of god the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. And then we drop down to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the psalmist echoing the same thing, the same theme that though we fret, though we fear, though we are anxious, that we have anxiety, that we have fears. He says, be still. You think God doesn't know you have these issues, these challenges, these problems, these difficulties? Be still. Don't think about what. Think about who. Who is the one that we can rest in Believing that he is our present helper in time of need. I remember the, and this came to me also, I remember when we were in hospital to visit Maria. She was in a coma. Mike's friend from a long time ago. And she was dying of a brain tumor. And I remember that we went there to preach, and I said this a few times already, but I'll say it again for those that don't know. I remember she came out of the coma, and then she was able to talk. And I remember speaking to her about the gospel, because I asked her, why did you come here? I wanted to see how much she knew, how, how conscious she was. She said, they brought me here to die. She knew she had a brain tumor. 
And then so I asked her why. Where, where would you rather be? I, act, I, I just asked a dumb question to get her to, to talk some more. And she said, um, I'd rather be out there. I said, why? She said, so I can do some more good works. I said, why? She said, so I can be saved. And then I just gave her the simple gospel. And as I was giving her the simple gospel of how Jesus saves those that cry out unto him, her father was there fidgeting with the, with the drawers and tidying up her bed and, and her son was on the phone talking to some. She said, I forget what his name was, Sergei, stop, I need to listen to Doug. She said to her father, stop, I need to listen to Doug. You see, her immediate need was not physical comfort, a tidy room, a busy room. She wanted to be she wanted to have silence. She wanted to be still. Because she knew the time she had left. And God is saying that to us today. Stop your running around. Stop your fidgeting. Stop your worrying and anxiety. You, listen to, you need to listen to what's important. You need to listen to the word of God. Everything else is immaterial when it comes to your own soul, your own peace, your own eternal rest in the Lord. Be still and listen to that still small voice who's able to change your heart, who's able to give you that peace, that everlasting peace that no man can take away. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service. Afternoon service will start at 1.30.